It's 4 p.m. and I'm standing with my family at the nurse's office next to our pediatrician while my son is on the verge of a panic attack. Both me and my wife just got a flu shot and his younger sister did as well. Now it's his turn and from the look on his face I know this isn't going to be easy. What do you do when something similar happens with your child? How would you help him or her deal with something that scares them so much? This is what we're going to talk about in today's episode, so let's go. Welcome to the Apparently Parent Podcast. My name is Iran Katz, and I'm a clinical psychologist, a parenting counselor, and also a father. In this show, we combine the art of parenting with the science of psychology. So if you want to understand your children and yourself better, lead your family into calmer waters, and reach the end of the day with a smile on your face, you've come to the right place. I'm your host, Iran Katz. Hi, this is episode 4 of the Apparently Parent Podcast. My name is Aran Katz and I'm really, really happy that you joined me on today's episode. And today I've got a special topic for you. We're going to talk about how you as a parent can help your child deal with anxiety. And especially we're going to talk about your stance as a parent, where you put yourself in front of that anxiety, in front of that child, and how you can position yourself to be a better facilitator of handling those anxieties and those moments. So when we have to face an anxious child, a lot of parents fall into one of two types of handling anxiety. On one corner, we have the demanding parent, and on the other corner, we have the protecting parent. So who are they, and what are the differences between the demanding parent and the protecting parent? The demanding parent is the parent who wants the child to just deal with it, just do it. And they think that by doing so, by pushing the child into an action, uh, the child will confront his or her fears and will be done with it. He will overcome those fears. And on the other hand, the protecting parent is the parent who wants to protect the child from experiencing this fear altogether. Those are the parents who tend to give up on asking the child to do something that scares him or her. So I started the episode with the story of my child, and we're waiting for him to get a flu shot, and he's so scared, and he was literally on the verge of a panic attack, if not really inside a panic attack. And if I would assume the, the stance of the demanding parent, I would be the parent who tells him to man up, to stop crying, and just get the flu shot and be done with it. It's going to be over in a second, which is actually true. It, it's, it's a pain prick. It doesn't uh, hurt so much, but I wouldn't be able to help him with his anxiety if I only demand him to deal with it by himself. On the other hand, if I would have been this kind of uh, the protecting parent, I would want to do everything in my power to prevent him from feeling any fear uh, to the point of giving up altogether on getting the, the flu shot. And the crucial thing here is not that one type of parenting is good and the other is bad, okay? They both come from quite well intentions of trying to help your children and uh, do something they have to do. However, they tend to come from our own, from the parent's own personal way of handling his or her own anxieties and fears growing up or as adults. And it's up to, to you, the parent, to understand how this plays out in order to put yourself in a better position to help your child to handle his or her own fears and anxieties and not inhibit him or herself from doing things in the world. So in order to understand that, we need to understand the concept of the interpersonal barrier. So imagine an invisible force field or some kind of membrane that exists between you and your child. It's like some kind of a buffer zone. 
And you actually have this kind of buffer between yourself and everybody else in the world, okay? It's like some kind of invisible force field that surrounds you and goes with you wherever you go. And it's kind of a buffer between you and everybody else. But today we're focusing on the one between you and your child. And this barrier, its whole purpose is to be responsible for how much emotional information flows between you and other people. So how much, info- how much emotional information flows between you and your child? What kind of emotional signals you receive from your child? What kind of emotional signa- signals you put out and your child receives from you, etc.? And like almost anything else in psychology, you can imagine a kind of a continuum and running between having the barrier being too tight and too closed off, and on the other hand, the barrier being too loose to almost being non-existent. And those two extremes, they define the flow between the demanding and the protecting parent. So in that example, the demanding parent is the parent whose interpersonal barrier is almost impregnable, okay? Which means this parent has a hard time receiving the emotional signals from the child and feeling it for him or herself. So it's easier for the demanding parent to dismiss the child's fear, to say something like, nah, this is not really scary, or don't be a sissy, or take a chill pill, just do it, man up, stop whining. Phrases like that, they are the hallmarks of a demanding parent. And it's not like the demanding parent doesn't know the child is scared. He doesn't feel the fear of the child in his own body. He doesn't receive it as strongly as the child gets it. And those parents, they mean well. They wanted the child to grow up. They wanted the child to handle things, to cope. But they don't notice the emotional need that the growing child has in that moment. And of course, the problem with that is that it only makes the child feel worse. It, the child feels like a failure. So instead of only feeling fear, now the child feels shame. And he tries to do something about this shame, like not feeling it. So the child may try to, quote unquote, man up and deal with it, but he doesn't have the tools to do it. So again, there's another failure. So it's like this perpetual negative circle of, of fear and shame that is being toppled on top of this poor child. Eventually, the child is left feeling misunderstood, uncared for, mistreated, and this is really not where you want your child to be, right? And on the other hand, we have the protecting parent. So for the protecting parent, the interpersonal barrier is too thin, too permeable, sometimes like it's non-existent on the extreme levels. And in that case, too much information, too much emotional information goes between the parent and the child. So this is when the parent starts to, to feel the child's anxiety in his bones, to, to be scared as much as the, the child is, is scared, for, for example. And those parents, they tend to put themselves in the place of the child, which is great. Being empathic is like we, we put ourselves in, in the shoes of the other person and we feel what they feel. However, this goes to an extreme and the parent, the, the, the protecting parent, wants to spare the anxious feelings from the child to the level that it undermines the child's development because although it comes from a good place, it doesn't help the child grow up. It's not only protecting the child from hard feelings, it's also preventing the child from learning how to cope. So on one corner, we have the demanding parent who cannot feel what the child is feeling or dismisses what the child is feeling and thus is not in a good place to help the child cope. 
on the other corner we have the protecting parent who is so much engrossed with the child's uh, experience that he or she cannot help that child right they can't help the child because they feel too much of what the child feels we need to find the middle ground this is where I believe we should strive to be as parents we you should strive to be uh, what I call the supportive parent and the supportive parent he has the same interpersonal barrier like everybody else right however it is more balanced it is permeable to some uh, emotional signals and cues but not too much okay some emotional information goes from the child to the parent but not all of it and the parent is able to sense the child's emotions of fear without being overwhelmed by it and it also means that the parents own emotions do not necessarily flow into the child think about a parent who is anxious himself while trying to help his anxious child it's totally fine to feel anxious okay but as attachment minded parents you want to foster a sense of security in your child and that means you gotta be a kind of secure base you have to keep some of those emotions to yourself some of those anxiety feelings uh, for yourself without letting them spill into your child in that way you can help your child deal with whatever he's going through so eventually the supportive parent can on one hand acknowledge and validate the child's feelings and on the other hand help the child deal with it and continue and do whatever it needs to be done so let's go back to that moment in the nurse's office where the I had a full shot my wife had a full shot our little daughter had one and now it's my son's turn and he did get flu shots before a year before and a year before that but now as a six years old he got a little bit more scared he's more aware of what's gonna happen and how do we help him in that moment when he's really really scared and he's pushing us away so the demanding parent will be the parent who will say you have to do it We have to do it. We have to get those shots. It's really important. You got to do it now. Just suck it up and be done with it. And let's go have uh, an ice cream after that. And the protecting parent will be... Uh, and I'm talking about the extremes, okay? The protecting parent on the extreme will say something like, okay, I see you're scared. I feel scary myself. It is scary to get a flu shot. And I, I see you can't handle this right now. Uh, it's, it's hard for me to see you so scared. Let's, let's go home, okay? Maybe we can try another time. Maybe we won't do it at all. And the supportive parent will be in a place that would say something like, look, honey, I see you're afraid, okay? And you're right to be afraid. After all, getting poked with sharp objects, it's a scary thing. However, it's totally safe and I'm here to help you through it, okay? So let's do this together. And while I do believe that, that as parents you should strive to be as much as supportive as possible I do recognize that sometimes it's not always possible and in, in those moments in that nurse's office my barrier my interpersonal barrier was too thin I admit it I really identified with my child's anxiety in that moment and I hate getting shots myself but I did it and I seeing him scared so much and, and crying and telling us that he just needs another minute to cool down and another minute goes by and goes by and there are other families waiting around so I'm feeling kind of guilty and guilty towards other families and guilty towards the, the nurse and also especially guilty towards him for pushing him into something that is so hard for him I really really hate that and I identified with the anxiety so much that I started to think that this is going to do more harm than the benefit of getting the flu shot so eventually we gave up eventually we told him look you can't do it let's not do it let's go home and I said to myself and to my wife I'll try again with him next week and maybe in another clinic or we'll go back here I don't know 
And I had to really be compassionate with myself that in those moments I was the protecting parent, not in the best of ways. I'm talking about the protecting parent who couldn't really help his child because eventually we went home with some sense of a failure for him. However, next week we went to another clinic. I found another clinic which was a little less crowded and it was only him and me. And I took the time to explain to him beforehand what's going to happen and how he can uh, relax his body and I'm going to be there with him all the time. And yeah, I even promised him a couple of donuts afterwards. I don't know if that was the right thing to do or not. And it was really, really hard for me, for him again. He didn't have a panic attack, but he was really scared. He was really anxious. His whole body was tense. And he asked to go to another room to calm himself down. And I sat with him. And we did some breathing exercises that I taught him. And then he relaxed. And then we, we went back to the nurse. And the minute she got close to him, he got scared all over again. And we had to go back to the different room and relax again. And then we went back to her and he was scared again. And then I just held him and I told him, look, it's really scary. I know, but it doesn't really hurt. I know you're scared. There's nothing much else we can do about it. We got to do it. Okay, but I'm here with you. And he sat in my lap and I held him and I hugged him and he got a flu shot and he cried a little bit and then it went away. The pain went away and I really enjoyed those couple of donuts afterwards. And I must admit that the thing that really helped me be in a position to help him was that I was able to steal myself. I was able to be calmer because I was stealing my own emotions. I was regulating my own emotions. And then my interpersonal barrier was a lot better, more balanced. And I was able to feel his fears to feel bad about it, that I'm making him do something that he really doesn't want to do, but not giving up on the important thing that was getting this vaccination. And by the way, a couple of weeks later, he had to take another different vaccination shot, this time in school. And while anxious, he managed to do it. This time it was a lot easier. So now you are aware of this interpersonal barrier and you know about the demanding parent, the protective parent and the supporting parent. So think about it for a second. Where do you think you are? And remember not to be too judgy with yourself, okay? Cut yourself some slack. If you identify yourself more on the demanding scale and it makes you feel lousy, that's okay. You're doing something. You're being more aware of yourself and you can move from that position. And that, that the same thing is true if you find yourself more on the protective aspect and you don't really like that. And I'm going to offer you a, a couple of things that you can do in order to help yourself move more towards the center, more towards the place of being a supportive parent instead of demanding or, or too protective. And let's start with the demanding pole. If you find yourself more uh, inclined to be a demanding kind of parent, try to uh, find times in your life, remember times in, in your life when you needed support. And how did you feel when that support was not available as a child? Okay, maybe uh, this kind of memory of a flu shot springs to mind or another kind of medical situation or something you had to do like in a sports event or something of the sort and you were scared a little bit and you needed some kind of support and you didn't get one or you didn't get the kind of support that you needed to have. And I really want you to Take the time and try to imagine that situation as, as clear as you can and imagine that child that you've been alone, not really supported and, and try to find in yourself the compassion towards that child. You can try to really imagine how 
you, the present you, the adult you, comes into you, the past you, that child, and talks to that child. How would you help that child, okay, that you have been? What will you tell that child? What kind of advice do you have? Maybe you can offer just a hug. It doesn't really matter. Whatever you can do to feel that compassion flowing between you and, and the child that you've been. And then try to imagine your child instead of the past you as a child that you see in your imagination. And see what that feels like. How does it feel like to be give this kind of support to the child you've been, to the child you have now, just in your imagination. And if you are more inclined to be in the protective areas, try to remember that when you are experiencing your child's distress in your own self, you are actually feeling something that is based on your past experiences, most probably, okay? Try to take a deep breath on those situations and imagine those situations when you didn't get the support that you needed from, from another place. Maybe uh, you weren't helped to deal with your anxiety and you had to give up on something that you really wanted or had to do or you were pushed into doing something that you didn't want to do and you remember it as something that was really hard to do or maybe even traumatizing in a way. But remember that you are now the adult. You are not the same child that you used to be. So again, try to be compassionate to the child who didn't have that support that he needed and you are now giving a support that your child needs. Imagine yourself with a stronger interpersonal barrier, not something that is closed completely, not like a wall of bricks, right? But not something too loose, so you can feel, you can feel your child's pain and emotions and anxiety, but you can also hold it at bay without getting overwhelmed, without getting it flooding all over you. And then you can be in a better position to help your child deal with whatever he or she has to do. Eventually, the art of being a supportive parent boils down to the ability to hold the distress on one hand and move your child to act on another hand. In moments of stress, your child needs validation. They need to know that you consider distress, that you believe it, and you take it seriously. Phrases like, it's nothing, it's really easy, there is nothing to be afraid of, those phrases don't help here, okay? Because sometimes there is something to be afraid of. On the other hand, your child needs to know that you're confident of their ability to cope and that you will be there for them and you will help them cope with whatever they have to cope without pushing them too far and to do something that they really aren't able to do without your support and also without avoiding anything that they really have to do. Because if you say or do something that encourages giving up, this can really perpetuate the hopelessness your child feels. And this feeling can go with them in in later years, this feeling that I wasn't able to do it and I'm not able to do it, I'm too weak, I'm too afraid, I'm too shy, whatever. So what you can do, you can offer a phrase such as, yeah, you're right, it is scary, but we will help you to get over this and we will show you how for example, okay? And remember, you can always contact a psychotherapist uh, who knows how to handle this situation and get some counseling, some guidance to help you deal with anxiety and how you can instill more confidence in your children. And one simple thing that you can do right now is go to the show notes of this episode. It's on apparentlyparent.com forward slash four. And there you can download the Safer Formula Cheat Sheet. It's a cheat sheet that I uh, prepared for you And it offers a really, really simple formula with the acronym SAFER that shows you the exact steps that needs to be done in order to help your child deal with something that scares him or her. So again, go to apparentlyparent.com forward slash four 
and you'll see the button to download the safer formula cheat sheet. It's free, just click on the button and download it. So where you are right now, do you feel like you can be more of a supportive parent the next time you have to do something scary with your child? Can you feel the interpersonal barrier between you and your child? How strong it is? How permeable it is? What do you think? Let me know. I'd love to hear from you. You can uh, contact me on uh, on Instagram. Uh, go to Apparently Parent on Instagram and just uh, DM me over there. I'd love to hear from you. And that brings us to the end of this episode. I want to really thank you for listening to this show. It really means a lot to me that you take the time to do this and that you take the time to help yourself, help your children like that. It's really moving, uh, to be honest. And... Please, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this show wherever you get your podcasts on, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever, wherever. That way you'll never miss an episode. New episodes come every Thursday. And if you enjoy this episode, if you think it's helpful, I'd love if you could share it or send it to someone who will find it useful. And please, I would like to ask you to go to Apple Podcasts and leave an honest review just uh, search for the Apparently Parent podcast and on rates and reviews, give how many stars you feel like and write whatever you feel like. Even if it's not that raving and good, that's fine. I can handle it and I want to handle it and I want to learn more about your needs and what you want to make this show better for you guys. And it will also help you get in front of more people. So I would love that if you could do it. And again, the show notes for these episodes are on apparentlyparent.com forward slash four. You'll find the download link for the Safer Formula and a transcript of this episode and other stuff. And I will see you again next week. Bye bye.